Hello and welcome to Magic is Real. I'm Shannon Torrance. I'm your host. I'm a psychic medium. I'm a soul living inside a human body and I am a recovering sex and love addict. And I'm very happy to be here today with my guest, Cynthia Greer. I'm going to tell you about Cynthia. She is a lovely human being. She is also a cancer survivor. She has had uh, she is a near-death experiencer. She's an author, and she is the author of three books, Twin Flames Beyond the Veil of Illusion, Twin Flames Healing the Shattered Heart When Union Isn't Possible, and Spiritually Single in Sickness and Health, A Woman's Guide to Healing at a Soul Level. This is for women who can see through narcissism. It's about choosing to live an authentic life and reclaiming your true divine femininity. Cynthia, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure for me too. So I'd love to start by having you talk about yourself and where you come from, what your background is, what your spiritual uh, attitudes might have been as a young person. You told me before I started recording that your spiritual uh, journey has been a over 40-year process. So I'd love to hear about where you come from and who you are. Well, thank you. I started on the road to spirituality as a child through very serious, acute asthma. And I was in isolation a lot of the time because every time I would have an asthma attack, which was brought on by whatever was going on in the environment and the allergies that I had, I would get a viral lung infection. And so I would get so sick that I would just spiral down to where I was completely listless. And there wasn't much of anything I could do because I had to be on so much medication and I had to stay quiet. So I began to have highly spiritual experiences at that time. And I was around a lot of elderly people who were passing away Quite a few of them had disabilities. My mother had a hair salon. And in my bouts of good health, she would take me to work with her. And I would go there in the summertime and in the winter after school. So I could relate with the suffering that these women were going through. I could relate with their difficulty with mobility and breathing. And every time someone passed away, my mother would get a phone call to go to the funeral home to do their hair and makeup because we belong to a rather large congregation and my mother was the one that everyone called and they wanted their loved one to look nice. 
And so she was the one to do that. And as time passed, I began to get spirit contact. And this began to be very intense at the age of 11 years old. And I did live in a house that was haunted. And there were a lot of things that went on. And my mother taught me how to protect myself, special way to do it uh, through prayer and through banishing, which was at the time a mild form of exorcism, not quite as intense that I used as an adult to clear things out, but it worked. And so I pretty much shut down after that. We moved away and I had my junior high and high school years and I didn't become involved until I began my early 20s. And that was when I picked up where I left off with my religious beliefs in organized religion and began to combine them with transcendental meditation and past life progression. I had a very reputable um, teacher I began to work with. And from there, I really opened up. Things just really began to click. And How did you experience that? I know that when you were, well, I guess what I wanna ask is, when you were a child, when you were 11 and you were a child, what kinds of things were you experiencing and how were you receiving spirit communication? I was seeing angels. Okay. It yeah. first started when I would get very, very sick and my mother would call the elders of our church to um, lay hands on me and administer a blessing of healing. And I began to see visions. And one night, the entire room just opened up into the night sky. And I began to see all these shimmering stars but they began to move and they took the form of angels and they were moving up. They were ascending up into the heavens and then they were descending down. And so many years after that, I realized what I had seen was Jacob's ladder. That was what I was experiencing. And it was very powerful. And after that experience as a child, my body began to heal. 
but I never forgot the experience. So it has always kept my feet on the ground in my spiritual beliefs. I never gone too far out there. I stayed very grounded with what I do because I know the whole base of everything that we experience is tied in with the creator. It's tied in with the divine. So the time on this planet is very short in comparison to the span of all eternity. And throughout my life, I had experiences, I had the sight that a lot of children would not picked up, be able to pick up on or see, but I had an ability to sense when someone was really evil, when they were lying, manipulating, cheating, um, colleagues that were um, of my stepfather, I could always tell when someone wasn't honest or if they had a problem with alcoholism. And I would tell my parents what I was seeing. And then a number of people in my community were very loving, very kind, decent people. I knew there was something very special about them. And my mother and my teacher, who I met when I was very young, began to talk to me about twin flames. But the way that they explained it was completely different from what you see on the internet and what people project these connections to be. Because I was always told that if a person has a twin flame, it is going to be revealed in a moment of divine time. It may not be the most opportune time, may not be the perfect time, but it will be a time for their soul to open to the growth it needs to have. And they explained the twin flame couples that were in our community and that they were very highly evolved. And they had had lifetimes together in other time periods on this earth, as well as 
in the pre-existence. And they had worked at a soul level to become highly evolved. And this is why their marriages and their lives reflected a positive energy and they gave hope and healing and strived to bring well-being into other people's lives because they were completely centered in their twin flame unions. So as I grew and matured on a spiritual level, I began to do readings. And I started out back in the day when there was no internet. Uh, it was just private parties. Mm -hmm. It was events that took place where a lot of psychics would get together and crystal dealers, um, artists, and I would do these fairs and I would begin to pick up a clientele. And by my mid-20s, 26, I was doing twin flame readings. But I have to tell you, at that time, the world was a completely different place. And I did see much of what has already come to pass. And I did give warnings to people about how they needed to live their lives and the decisions that they had to make in order to clean out at a soul level and develop because if they didn't do it they would be blocking their spiritual growth because the higher spiritual teachers could not get through to anyone who is not listening who is channeling negative energy you're going to trap just the opposite so when the twin flames came to me, the problems that they had were very basic and they worked through in a relatively vast amount of time. And all of my twins, except a small number ended up getting married. And I was always the guest of honor at their wedding. I was always right there with them. And those that did not make it into union, it was always because one had chosen to remain in the human created energy, which we know of as the Maya 
the illusion of 3D. So those were the couples um, where one would always choose the partner who had the social prestige, the money, and the business connections and family ties, or they were seeking fame. And so I am from California and I have lived here the majority of my life with the exception of a very brief time span when I took a job out of state for a couple of years. So there is a challenge in the state of California as far as authenticity. And many people that I have met, that I have known, have had great difficulty in coming out of the illusion of the Maya and the human creation because they are so influenced by celebrity and all of the trappings that go with it. Because whether you are in Malibu, Beverly Hills, Orange County, or San Diego, it's something that you can't escape. Right. Because there is such an emphasis put on it. And there is a caste system, I, you know, I hate to say this, but we do live in a caste system in this state and people judge you by what you own. They judge you by who you are with or if you are with someone. So there is a tremendous amount of pressure on women not just women 40 plus, but even younger ones to go under the knife and completely morph into what that image of the Maya is projecting. Right. And we are going to talk about your near-death experience, but a listener of mine had asked me to do an episode about Twin Flames. So I was very happy to see that this is a specialty of yours. So I am going to ask questions about that as well. Um, and I'd also love to know if anything about Twin Flames was revealed during your near-death experience. Um, because why don't you explain what a Twin Flame is? Okay, a Twin Flame, the way that I was taught, is a co-creation. It is a soul that was created with that polarity of masculine and feminine that could separate and come back together according to the mission that it was to fulfill. 
so twin flames have a divine blueprint encoded within them that indicates a path of service that is ultimately going to be on a cosmic level after they have finished the experience of human incarnations. And this is known as divine ascension. Coming up to the level of an ascended being. Now this takes many lifetimes to accomplish. As twin flames were very pure in the beginning and they served the creator, this was all they knew. But then they fell away. And so they began to fall. I write about this in my book as it was revealed to me was when Atlantis went through its darkest age. That was when twin flames began to go into separation and they neglected to serve the God force. They were serving a very dark government that was based on mind control and complete manipulation. And the twin flames were separated for that purpose. Because anything divine that served God cannot be used for evil. So there was a choice in the matter. And there were quite a few that made that choice to go with the dark. And Atlantis was destroyed. And twin flames were given another chance to fulfill their destiny because we do have a very loving creator. And we get many opportunities, more so than what many in organized religion believe, which is why I had to leave organized religion because I knew this in my heart. I knew that there was so much love and so much forgiveness when it came to mankind's mistakes, that it wasn't as simple as heaven or hell and harsh judgment because we learn from our mistakes. And this is what happened with twin flames. And so they began to incarnate again in other civilizations 
that are known in the Bible and ancient Egypt. So if you go into biblical history and all of the lands, ancient lands, you will get a good idea of how many lifetimes twin flames have lived and how those lifetimes are influencing them in the current period that we are in, which is why they are seeking to come into union with their divine counterparts. And what's the difference between twin flames and soulmates? Soulmates can be a parent, a child, a coworker, a friend, a circle of friends, a soul tribe. And you can even connect with a divine soulmate, a divine partner, if you don't have a twin flame or if you are a twin in separation and a union cannot be attained in this lifetime because one has passed on or one has ascended and is light years away in a higher dimension or one is on earth and they have chosen to remain completely closed to the connection. And so soulmates can definitely come together in relationships, but they can also be beautiful teachers and friendships that guide us in our earthly life. Right. And what I understand, I'd love to hear your take on this, is not everybody has a twin flame uh, and that there's this romantic notion that twin flames are like, we are destined for each other and it's so romantic and we're the perfect match. When in fact, a lot of the time, a twin flame is the person who's going to challenge you the most and be a mirror for you to prompt some kind of spiritual growth. They might even be somebody you have a contentious relation or toxic relationship with. That's absolutely true. That is why I wrote the book, Twin Flames, Healing the Shattered Heart, When Union Isn't Possible. Because I have seen some very dark twin flame connections. And they do exist. Okay, and I'm going to be very honest here, and this is going to burst the cosmic bubble for so many people. Because time and time again, I have heard, he's the karmic, he's the false twin flame. Your twin flame would never do anything to hurt you. They would never do anything to cause you pain. If you're dealing with pain, if you're dealing with rejection, that's a false twin flame or it's karmic. 
No, not necessarily. Because in all honesty, we are on this earth because we are working through the lower levels of consciousness we did not raise in past lifetimes. It is all about the evolution of the soul. And whether we like it or not, we are here for that reason. And we are not going to become divine until we are at a place where we have done so much clean out at a soul level and raised our vibration to such a high level that we absolutely do not need to take on another physical embodiment. And that is when you begin the journey to ascension. And this is what I write about in both of my twin flame books. When you are to that point and your twin flame is just simply not seeing it, they are not getting it. And you've had the divine revelation, you know, okay? And in many cases, the other twin knows, okay? I have had couples that actually got married knowing they were twin flames and then got divorced or would admit what they were to one another and one chose to remain in a very toxic marriage where all of the lessons had already been learned, but they simply did not want to split the finances. And I mean, I'm talking to people 50, 60, and even up in their 70s. I have dealt with all age groups and all situations. So yes, it, it can be very, very dark and it can also create soul sickness to where both of them get sick, seriously ill, with catastrophic diseases, and they just mirror it back and forth. So. I have a question, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh, go ahead. How do you know when you're twin flames? Well, I wrote about my experience in my book, okay? My experience came on a highly divine level. And there was 
no way around the fact that it didn't come from the divine. It happened on a solar equinox. And it was a portal opening. And at that time, I wasn't aware that this was happening to many other twin flames, not just myself and my twin. But it was a very, very magical evening. And that eclipse was taking place in Australia. It was visible there. And as I was going into a deep transcendental meditation, I left my body and I connected with my twin. And then within a span of one week, we were in full-blown 3D contact with one another and we had both been sharing those experiences. So this is the point I'm trying to make. When people are seeking to find out who their twin flame is, that is a fruitless attempt because when the time is right, you will be shown it will happen. It will come to you. Okay, it's going to come either when you have to clean something out. It might happen when someone is extremely down in the pits of the dark night of the soul and an addiction needs to go. Or it will happen when a soul or both souls have attained a certain level of spirituality and they are being given the opportunity to come into a union. So it is a divinely timed moment where they are given that chance to end a cycle that they have been in and step on the path toward ascension together or not and repeat and continue on the cycle that they are currently on. And either way it goes, it isn't a tragedy if one twin rejects the other because even in the best of circumstances, if they are pretty far along spiritually and there are other people involved and there's going to be a divorce that is going to be caused by this union, I'm telling you when the challenges hit, many twin flames actually want to throw in the towel. I have a couple going through this right now. And 
they called me in the middle of the night. And it was just, boom, I'm leaving my wife. I'm going to be with my twin flame. She's got a plane ticket. She's flying out to meet me. We're renting a van. We're moving all my stuff. And I'm going to get a divorce. And then once they got together, they really had the trials. But they were aware of why they were experiencing the trials. And they would catch themselves <laughs> when they started batting everything back and forth and bickering and squabbling and going through all that, they would just say, whoa, okay, what are you reflecting back to me? And they began to work on those core issues. So that is what it is all about because only highly evolved twins are going to have these unions where everything is like clockwork. Mm -hmm. And I know quite a few old timers. And um, the oldest couple I know is in their 90s. Actually, they're getting ready to transition. And they've always known what they were throughout their whole life. And several of their children are in union with their twins. And now the grandchildren are in union with their twins. But in fact, I wrote about them in my book, Highly Evolved Couple. And it was all about planetary service through their entire married life. Raising their children, providing a solid, sacred home, working in the community, working on the male, the divine masculine was a doctor. And it was none of this materialistic, you know, I won't help you unless you have a lot of money. I mean, this man saved lives. This man worked with people in great distress and never turned anyone away. And th that is what we call a very highly evolved union. And this is eventually where everyone who is a twin flame is gonna go, okay? So the ones that are not going to have union in this lifetime, that are really struggling, that are opening and they're having all these experiences spiritually, they'll be back. They'll meet up again. Their twin flame will get it together. They will see the light in another time another and time. place. Yeah. Will twin flames sometimes reincarnate together in a different lifetime over and over again and still be twin flames? 
Absolutely. Um, you can be, here's one example. Um, I wrote about this in my first twin flame book because I attended an etheric wedding. And I was in this beautiful realm of the etheric university, which is where a lot of people who are on the path of evolution, who are really working towards not coming back to this plane of existence, are already cellos of the ascended masters. And they are studying maybe forms of medicine, holistic healing. Um, I have a friend who is a doctor who was at the etheric university before she incarnated into this life. And now she is practicing holistic medicine along with her MD, okay? So um, you can take a seat at the university before you leave this embodiment. If your soul is divinely on the path of evolution and you have been, a, you are in agreement to become a chela with that ascended master that has chosen you. You agree to make the sacrifices that it's going to take in order to take that path towards ascension. And that is when you are going into the higher consciousness. That is when you are actively seeking to become one with the higher consciousness. And you are aware of it. And this is how you want to live your life. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect and never get triggered, never get angry. But when these things happen, you'll catch yourself. And you'll automatically go to work on it. So, um, Twin flames, okay, there's a couple of ways this works. Um, and I explained this in my first book, is the rejected twin, if their twin is not getting it together, and there's been a lot of abuse and cruelty and addiction, at one point, the rejected twin is going to start really seeking. They're gonna start delving into meditation. They're going to get readings from anointed twin flame practitioners that can help them. And they're going to be contacted by an ascended master and begin that process of raising the vibration. That is one way. Then there are the twins who met up in the physical, who love each other very much, who 
maybe came into Union and had a really rocky time of it. But they know beyond a shadow of a doubt. No matter how stinking ugly it is, no matter how bad their addictions are, they're gonna do it and they're gonna do it together. By golly. Okay. So when they pass out of the physical body, there will be that time of transition and healing. They will get counsel from the ascended masters and they will make an actual commitment. They will have an actual wedding in the upper realms. And they will incarnate and they will meet in that moment of divine time. Now, you had, like you said, this whole spiritual journey where you were already receiving information from the spirit world very early and it awoke and it awoke in you again. It was what awakened in you again. And then you had been already giving twin flame readings and having uh, understanding of this. So if you don't mind sharing, uh, I would love to hear about your near-death experience and what you learned from that experience and what kind of checked out with what you already perceived or, or understood before you actually had that experience happen to you. Well, what happened to me, okay, was I had been in business for myself. I have to start there. Yeah. Because I had an entertainment business. I worked with other entertainers and I booked parties and events. And I was very much into my yoga to stay centered and my Middle Eastern dancing and also music. So we had a good menu for the people that contacted us. And I couldn't handle the schedule. I was in my late thirties by that time. And I was so tired that I felt I was not much longer for this earth. And no matter what I did, nothing worked. I was always exhausted. So I decided to take a leave. I decided to solely focus on my health and get a diagnosis, get to the bottom of it because it was really kind of like mononucleosis mm -hmm. or Epstein-Barr. And no doctor could give me any answers. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, close to, I would say about seven, eight months, of just listlessness, um, a popped a red pod, a tumor. 
And then I thought, okay, they'll be able to figure this out. I knew something was really wrong because it was painful, but I didn't really want to believe it was cancer because I had to keep going. I had to keep going because at that time, my mother was getting sick. My stepfather was failing as a Vietnam veteran. And I was doing work at home. I had a lot to do to keep things up and to help them. And I was still contributing financially. So I left the entertainment, but I had taken something locally so I could get to the bottom of my diagnosis and work on my healing and help them out financially, keep myself afloat. And everything just got worse. It just fell apart. And so I went to another doctor and he diagnosed it as mononucleosis. And he said, you're gonna feel rotten for about three more months. But he said, that bump will go away. Um, everything will be fine. Well, the bump didn't go away. The bump kept growing. And on top of that, another bump formed and it became the size of an egg. And then, we knew. And so by the time I was finally diagnosed, I was in stage three. And I didn't, I mean, I was really scared. I knew I wanted to live, but the doctors had told me to make my arrangements because it was going to be such an extensive surgery. It was going to be so radical that my heart may not take it because I had to be put on life support. I had to have a tracheotomy in order to breathe. I was going to lose lymph nodes, lots of tissue, and I was going to be incapacitated for a very long time. And so my mother and the hospital chaplain had got together to pray. And they were completely on my team. They were just prayer warriors, like you would not believe. I mean, they were not going to take no for an answer. They knew all of this happened to me for a reason. They knew I was to make it through and live for very specific reasons. So what happened 
was when I was under the anesthesia having the surgery. I could see my mother and I could see the hospital chaplain. I was witnessing their prayers and I saw Jesus and Mary levitating above, just hovering above, going towards the ceiling of the chapel. And I saw pink roses manifesting and just coming over Jesus and Mary and being showered onto my mother and the chaplain. And I knew that I was going to come back. I knew that I was going to make it through that surgery. And several days later, I came out of the coma and everyone was around me and sure enough, I was there. But after I got on the surgical floor, a week later, my trach tube blocked and I couldn't breathe. And I was trying to reach the call button because I was choking to death and I passed out and I found myself in a cemetery. And I knew I was with my relatives because one side of the family is Scottish. And these men were in their kilts and arisades and they were standing by this tombstone with a young blonde girl in the center, about 17, 18. And uh, I telepathically, I said, have I crossed over? Am I dead? <laughs> and they said, no, um, you're going back, but she has crossed over. So um, when I came to, I mean, everybody was standing around me. There was all the equipment, all the wires, whole thing. And I was back in my body once again. And then my cousin contacted me and she described the blonde woman. And that was our other cousin who had died in a fatal car accident while I was in the hospital. Wow. But um, throughout that stay, I was there for a month people that were crossing over were visiting me. Every time someone would cross over, they would make their way to my room and they would just stand in the doorway and look at me and then they would go on. So um, the veil was very thin and I knew Okay, because I um, couldn't move around very well. I had IVs in both arms. 
And I had to keep that trait in order to breathe. I knew that I was experiencing what many experience before they die. So I had that um, preliminary of what it would be like to be very incapacitated before crossing over. And I'll tell you something, life was never the same after that. It never was because I had many experiences with the medical field, which is a whole nother program. And I ended up finding out the truth, which was not pleasant because I saw some things coming for the United States. And I was shown why the suffering was going to manifest in the way that it would. And the amount of life that was going to be taken and the amount of people that were going to die unnecessarily. It was going to be deaths that could have been prevented. And I could see um, everything beginning to spiral down. And I began to talk to the chaplain about this because he came to visit me every single day. And I told him what I was seeing and he believed me. And he said, you are seeing what is going to come to pass. And he said, it is a reflection of the majority of the consciousness level of the people in this country as with all problems throughout the world, whenever you have something happen on a cataclysmic level with a government, like um, take for instance, um, dictatorships. Okay, that's a reflection of people being too fearful. They may see the truth, but they're too afraid to warn others because they don't want to risk themselves. But in truth, okay, if you're not living in full freedom, it's not worth being alive anyway. If you are under a dictator who wants something so totalitarian that it's out of a science fiction, dystopian novel. And this is what I was being shown. And so when I came home, everything was laid out. I was clearly shown 
what I had to do for the rest of my time here on earth. And I set out to do it. And that was where my mind was. And then after committing to that, because I had not a clue that I had a twin flame, then years after the cancer and the treatments and the secondary diagnosis with another illness from radiation damage, I was introduced to who my twin flame was. So it all was synchronistic. And this is why I stress anything that happens to you that is so unpleasant and unbearable that you think you're never going to be able to get through it. Well, you're going through it for a divine reason because there is a lesson in it. There is a gift through that experience that you are going to give to other people in order to help them awaken to their higher consciousness and begin that journey of spiritual evolution. So I have a message for anyone in this audience who is sitting there thinking that they are a worthless human being and they have made so many mistakes that it's irreparable. They had a terrible upbringing. Maybe they were from the ghetto. Maybe they used drugs. Maybe sexual addiction was involved. Listen, you are loved and cherished more than you will ever know because you were created from divine love. And that is the bottom line. And there is nothing that is so dark within yourself that cannot be used for the higher good. But you have to be willing to forgive yourself. You have to be open to God's grace and God's mercy and allow that love to really open your heart, open your heart and accept it because you are worthy. You are worthy of that love and that healing and that divinity because this is the path. It is the divine plan. Whether you have a twin flame, whether you are a divine soul, at the end of the day, none of those labels matter. What matters is who you are as a human being. What you've done at the end of the day, 
that you can look back on and say, well, I got a lot done. I accomplished this. I gained some insights. I learned something I didn't know. Something for the involvement of the soul. Because nothing is black and white. Nothing is cut and dry. Uh, let me tell you this right now, there's always hope. You know, even in the most dire of situations. And people think this right now with the way the country is in, with the state of affairs of the world, that corporations and dictatorial governments have gone too far. But all of this, can be changed on an energetic level. Because when you think about it, what works with those who commit evil acts is not coming from a human source. It's coming from the spirit realm, the dark side of the spirit realm, the lower astral because there are many different levels. There's the level of obscenity, the level of illusion, the level of manipulation and temptation. And all of those are down underneath the earth. And then the upper realms, the upper kingdoms are above the earth and span out further into the galaxy and, and beyond because there are many forms of life. Yeah. I, I usually end by asking, what do you want people to know? And you just answered the question without me even say asking it. So I want to thank you, Cynthia Greer, for being here with me and sharing your spiritual insights, your spiritual journey what you know about Twin Flames. It was so nice to have you and I appreciate everything that you've shared. Thank you so much. It was really an honor and a pleasure to be here. And I just appreciate you so much. You're just a divine light. You really are. Thank you. So are you. Thanks, Cynthia.